looking, throwing in the end zone. Montana, touchdown, John Taylor. Young to the air, young to Jerry Rice. Touchdown, San Francisco. Young stumbles on the way back and fires up the middle. Pass is caught by Owens. Hello and welcome to the 49ers Plus Podcast. I'm your host, Al Moriello, and this is your source for the most objective 49ers discussion and analysis, plus timely and entertaining sports and pop culture topics. And today we'll be talking about the 49ers' thrilling and historic 34-31 victory in the NFC Championship game over the Detroit Lions. We're going to be talking about stats. We're going to be talking about the Lions' absolutely dominating the first quarter and the first half and how momentum completely changed in the second half off of several big plays, catches, fumbles, fourth down stops, a Super Bowl drive led by Brock Purdy, how how or why Detroit abandoned the run, how electric Brock was in the second half or to compare Purdy's playoff performances and record versus those quote-unquote physically talented quarterbacks that everyone in the media is drooling over no matter how poorly they perform at times. There will be no plus section this week because this is a championship game uh, recap reaction show. Therefore, let's talk Niners. So with the win, San Francisco is tied with itself for the largest uh, NFC Championship game comeback, 17 points down with the 2012 49ers who did it on the road at Atlanta en route to the Super Bowl against uh, the Ravens. And one other housekeeping note, that victory was the 38th playoff victory for the 49ers, which is now the most in NFL history. Let's get some stats out of the way. Brock Purdy, after a shaky, to say the least, first half, finished 20 of 31. That's 65% completion percentage, 267 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Goff for the Lions threw for 273 and one score. Running the ball, McCaffrey 20 for 90 and two touchdowns. Purdy 5 for 48 as a team. Niners got over 30, 33 rushes for 155 yards and three touchdowns. For the Lions, David Montgomery, 15 for 93 in a score. Jameer Gibbs, 12 for 45 in a score. Jamison Williams, wide receiver, took a sweep and end around once for 42 yards and a touchdown as a team, 29 rushes for 182 yards and three scores. Receiving, Debo, 8 for 89. Ayuk, 3 for 68 in a touchdown. McCaffrey, 4 for 42 for Detroit. Rookie tight end sensation Sam Laporta, 9 for 97. Amon Ross St. Brown, 7 for 87. Jamison Williams, 2 for 25. And a touchdown. Overall stats, the Lions outgained the Niners overall by 29 yards, had five more first downs. But incredibly enough, the way that that game was unfolding, especially in the first half, the Niners had a four and a half minute advantage of time of possession. All right, stats, records, all that stuff out of the way. Let's talk about the game, and I'm assuming you were watching and assuming you saw utter domination by the Detroit Lions in the first half, right? Lions got the ball, went right down the field for a touchdown, four plays, 75 yards, stopped the Niners, 
on the Niners' first possession, got the ball again, went right down the field. 11 plays, 62 yards. These first two drives, 15 plays in total, nine runs, six passes. That is the Detroit Lions offense, and that is why that balance or that proportion is why they jumped out to a tremendous lead in the first half. And the difference between this game and last game, the divisional round against the Packers, was when the Lions was when the Packers got the ball, those first two drives actually got into the red zone both try both drives. Niners held in the field goals. Lions' first touchdown wasn't in the red zone. It was a 42-yard end around the Jamison Williams. Second drive was. Either way, they did not hold the Lions to field goals. It was not a 6-0 game by Detroit. They gave up two touchdowns. It was 14-0 before the 49ers got on the board. Their second drive was a touchdown from Christian McCaffrey to pull it to 14-7. Then they forced a Detroit punt. Looking to tie the game, but Purdy's arm and hand got hit, got intercepted by one of the linebackers, and Detroit cashed in eventually with a Jamar Gibbs touchdown run, 21-7 Lions. The, the next drive for Detroit, San Francisco holds them inside the 10, inside the 5 actually, it was, about, it was about the two-yard line. Dan Campbell was looking to maybe go for it with really no time left on the clock to end the half. Instead, they kicked the field goal, which was the smart move, to make it 24-7, a three-score lead at the half. The Lions had their way with the 49ers' defense in the first half. And the defense, I've said it previous podcast, the pass rush, the defense overall is living on reputation. This is the complete reason. If you are not a diehard fan, I don't want to say that. There are diehard fans that, that aren't able to watch every game if you don't live in the San Francisco Bay Area. But if you watch every game and you're just not a, a moron talking media head that watches some games, sees highlights, gets their opinion from other talking heads, you'll realize or you'll know that this defense has been living on reputation. This defense is not as dominant as it's been in previous years. The pass rush is not as dominant as it's been in previous years. And even the rush defense, although going into this game, where at the end of the regular season was a top five unit, since week 12, they've been performing like a bottom third unit. Yards per carry, bottom third. EPA, expected yards per play over average, bottom third. And they have more pass rushers on the field. They're down linemen. Bosa, Armstead, Hargrave, and Chase Young. Those aren't really run stoppers, except for maybe Nick Bosa can hold an edge, but he's really a pin your ears back pass rusher. Hargrave, good interior quarterback pressures. Armstead, same, coming off of a knee and foot injury which he's probably not 100%, but close to, and we'll see two more weeks of rest in the Super Bowl, how he'll be there. But this front four has gotten, got shredded against the Lions in some, got shredded against the Packers in the first half, and was not good the last month and a half, two months of the season. And the yardage, the total yards and the rushing yards prove that out. In the first half, Detroit put up 280 
total yards on San Francisco. The Niners mustered 131. Rushing yards for Detroit accounted for more than half of their total yardage output. 148 rushes on 21 carries in the first half. That is 7 yards per rush. That's unacceptable for any defense. It's unacceptable for a 49er defense who historically has been good against the run. It's unacceptable for a playoff defense and unacceptable in an NFC championship game when you're at home. Now, people make too big a deal of halftime adjustments. You only have, what, 12 or 14 minutes. Heard after the game that some players spoke. Nick Bosa was one of them. I'm sure Kyle Shanahan had something to say. I'm not sure if defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes had something to say. Other than at the end of the game, he said, at halftime, we had no doubt we we're going to win that game. Because we played our worst half of football. And listen, you got to give Detroit credit. No matter how bad Steve Wilkes or Shanahan or the 49er players thought they played, the Lions were putting them in position to play that poorly a lot of the game. You know, you saw runs where both D tackles were getting double teamed, opening up huge holes for Montgomery and Gibbs. Bad effort on pursuit, bad angles. The Niners, again, could not handle that sweep outside where either Young or Bosa was getting cracked back or, or sealed by a tight end or wide receiver, and the linebackers and, and, and secondary were slow getting there. And, of course, Jameer Gibbs is, is all sorts of fast and, and slippery and agile. But 148 yards on the ground in the first half, and you knew, like, listen, the way this is going, the Lions might get to 250. They might get to 300. The Niners have no answer. But something changed in the second half. Now, holding the, the Lions to a, a, a field goal in the, at the end of the first half was big. In, you know, touchdown, 28-7, 24-7, there's no huge difference. It's a three-score game, right? You obviously want as few points as possible, but it's still a three-score three game. But it's big because of what San Francisco, holding them to a field goal, making it 27-10, is big because the Niners get a field goal on their first drive, settle for a 43-yard field goal, but now because the Niners held the Lions to a field goal, not not a touchdown to end the half, now it is a two-score game, 24 to 10. Lions get the ball back, and here's where Dan Campbell will be second-guessed by other people, but he is not second-guessing himself. The the first of their two fourth-down attempts, fourth and two from the 28-yard line of San Francisco. They drop, Goff drops back, Bosa gets pressure on the left-hand side, causing uh, Goff to step up, but not, Bosa didn't even touch him. It's not tremendous pressure, but steps up, throws wide of Josh Reynolds, who dives back for the ball, should have made the catch. That's an NFL receiver making an NFL caliber catch, should have made the catch, dropped it, turnover on downs, 49ers get the ball. Near midfield, another big play. Purdy launches a deep shot to Ayuk. The coverage gets behind Ayuk, so it's not, you know, Ayuk wasn't necessarily open. Ball goes off the face mask of the Lions defensive back. Ayuk makes a stumbling, diving catch down to the Lions' four-yard line, 51-yard conversion. 
which leads to Ayuk two plays later or three plays later catching a touchdown from Brock Purdy to make it 24-17. Now the Niners are on a 10-0 run. Now you know that momentum's a real thing. Now the team that was in complete control in the first half, are they tight? Are these drops, one by a receiver? Wasn't really a drop by the the cornerback, but a bad bounce? Are they going to get tight? Do they feel it slipping away? Is it inevitable that the Niners are going to tie this game? Will the Lions start the next drive getting back to what they did really well in the first half, running the ball, and it starts with Jameer Gibbs, first play of the drive, Safety Tayshawn Gibson causes a fumble. Eric Armstead recovers at the Detroit 24-yard line. During this drive, Purdy has one of his two big scrambles in the second half. 21 yards to the Detroit four, capped off by a McCaffrey one-yard touchdown. Now we are tied at 24. And now, if you weren't sure, Lions and Lion fans, Niner fans listening to this, people in the stadium, people watching at home, you can feel it. Momentum is a real thing. The crowd was electric from that point on. They came back from commercial break, 24 all, and they just panned the crowd for about 10 seconds. It's a 0-0 game, essentially. Niners get a stop, get the ball back, and go 11 plays, 65 yards in 7 minutes and 9 seconds. Settle for a 33-yard field goal, 27-24, 49ers, first lead of the game. And there should have been a personal foul on that last tackle. I guess it was a sack of Purdy. Purdy's getting tackled, falling onto his back forward, head back of his head down, gets tackled. It looks like he got speared by one of the linebackers. Should have been helmet to helmet, should have been a 15-yard Penalty that would have continued the drive. So Lion fans, you know, talking about fourth downs and drops and this or that that didn't go your way. The bobbled catch by Ayuk, you got away with one there. Lions and Lion fans, you got away with one there. That should have been 15 yards going up top, helmet to helmet, driving him into the ground on a Lions linebacker. Instead, field goal 27-24 San Francisco. Another big play upcoming. Now, this is a drive where Niners could have had an interception, should have had a pass breakup. The outbreaking route to Jamison Williams that Goff throws a little behind him. Ambry Thomas is there. Williams bats the ball up. It looks like Ambry Thomas is going to make an interception, but I guess he realized he's Ambry Thomas, and Jamison Williams wrestled it away for a reception near midfield the drive slows down fourth down and three at the 49ers 30 down 27 24 what does Dan Campbell do you all know this he goes for it again Goff feels pressure he rolls out to his right tries to throw across his body deep middle the ball is about two or three yards short of his intended target drive ends turnover on downs. Now let's talk about these these field goal attempts that weren't, you know, for a second. I hate this whole analytics thing. 
I hate when you see on the screen, you know, uh, analytics says go for it. And basically anytime it's less than fourth and five, they're, they're telling you to go for it. But I really don't believe analytics is taking, analytics is taking into account momentum where you are on the field, personnel on the field, time of game, how much time's remaining. What's, what's the game situation? I think it's just off. It's less than fourth and five. You should go for it. Where are you on the field? Are you going to go for it? If it's fourth and five on your five, are you going to go for it? And I'm sure there are some situational things that analytics takes into account. Do you think Dan Campbell or someone, a nerd on his staff, had the analytics book saying when to go for it or not? No. This is who the, the Lions are. This is part of their DNA. So he was consistent, except at the end of the first half, he didn't get aggressive. He took the field goal to make it a three-point game. Because again, you don't know what the Niners are going to do to start out the second half. He doesn't know that they're going to kick a field goal instead of get a touchdown. Three-score game is a three-score game, no matter how you slice it. It's an extra possession the Niners need. And I agreed with that, getting it to 27-10 at the half. But when you have the possibility of a 45-yard field goal or a 48-yard field goal, someone would have to tell me or Dan Campbell or... People out there, and this isn't a hindsight is 2020 thing. This is real time when you're up two scores facing a fourth and two, up 24-10 at the 49ers 27. What has a better chance of happening? You converting a fourth and two or your kicker making a 45-yard field goal? And if you're wondering... Lions kicker Michael Badgley for his career from 40 to 49 yards is a 77% kicker, 77% conversion rate. He makes three out of every four. The last two years with the Lions from 40 to 49 yards, he's nine of 11, 82%. Makes eight, a little more than eight out of 10. Someone's got to show the analytics that say that the odds of going for it. What's the percentage of conversion? Is it better than 77%? Is it better than 82% what Badgley is from 40 to 49? Is it better? And that's why you think the offense is going to convert? It's great that he has confidence. He's got a set of brass balls. He's got confidence in his offense. And yes, the first one was a drop to Josh Reynolds. Should have been caught. Difficult catch, but should have been caught. Second one, Goff didn't have a chance. And on the second one, now you're chasing points. Now you're down three. And even though this one was a little farther, a 48-yard field goal, you're chasing points and you should attempt the field goal because if you don't convert on fourth, and you can always miss the field goal, I get it. But your field goal kicker is pretty darn good from 40 to 49. You want to kick the field goal and get points so you can't possibly go down by two scores should the Niners score a touchdown. Remember, Niners are up three, touchdown makes it a two-score game. Do you remember a few years ago, Mike Tomlin started going for two basically all the time, Pittsburgh Steeler coach, and then that slowed down. And again, I don't know if it's an analytics thing, why, who was telling them to do it, and they had a pretty decent conversion rate. Now, this was when Roethlisberger was there, and Antonio Brown, 
Um, and the running back, who I'm blanking on his name, that, that went to the Jets, Le'Veon Bell, did it for maybe half the season-ish, and then stopped. There's a reason why he stops, because you don't want to chase points. Because if you don't get it, and you're down 7-6, at some point, you may have to go for two again. You may be forcing yourself to go for two to get the game tied. I'm a big believer, and it's probably because I'm a conservative person by nature, you go for two when you have to. I hate when a team is like what the Bucs did last week against the Lions. They're down 14, scored to make it an eight-point game. They go for two. I In sports, I'm going to live by the worst-case scenario. What happens if you don't get it and the Bucs didn't get it? You're, you're up 14, you go for two, you don't get it. Now you're down eight. Now you have to go for two just to tie the game. If you have that two-point mentality, kick the extra point, get down seven, and if you score a touchdown again, now you're down one, now you can decide. What do I want to do? Do I want to kick the extra point for the tie, or do I want to go for two and either take the lead and for the win? And this is what Dan Campbell did against the Lions, remember, uh, against the Cowboys. Remember that game at Dallas where they lost 20 to 19 and there, there was that whole drama of was the tackle called eligible or not? They made a good play on that two point conversion. Unfortunately, whoever it was, I forget his name, was not called eligible. So, five yard penalty, two point conversion from the seven. Remember, 20 to 19 Cowboys, a two point conversion from the seven. Campbell was still going for it. Now, that's reckless. That's stupid. I don't care how much confidence you have in your team, the size of your brass balls, or how many blumpkins you can get on demand because you're an alpha male. It's stupid. Now, they got bailed out. There was an offsides on that play, so it was a fourth. It was a two-point conversion from the three-and-a-half-yard line, and he still goes for it and doesn't get it instead of tying the game. And that game was so big from a... Uh, number two seed versus number three standpoint at the time, it ultimately didn't matter for the Lions. Number two, number three, they would have been playing on the road should they have met San Francisco. But not, and we're not saying Badgley would have made the field goal. If they had kicked two field goals, I'm confident he would have made one. And that was obviously the difference in the score of the game. Instead, they missed the fourth down, fourth and three. Purdy gets the ball back, and this is the Super Bowl drive. Seven plays, 70 yards, four and a half minutes off the clock. Playmakers made plays. McCaffrey, then Debo, then McCaffrey, then McCaffrey again. Then you have Purdy's 21-yard run to the Lions' 28-yard line. Then McCaffrey again, 25-yard run to the Detroit 3. Capped off by Eli Mitchell, his first carry of the game, Punches it in 34-24. Niners 3-0-2 left in the game. Now the Lions' final drive, couple issues with this here. One you heard on the telecast. They ran it on third and goal from I guess the two or three, got stopped and had to use a timeout. So you should be passing the ball there. You need to preserve your timeouts so you don't force yourself into an onside kick situation. They forced, they, they ultimately wound up scoring to make it a three-point game. But it was an odd, they forced themselves into an onside kick, which obviously the 49ers recovered. But to me, 
why not kick the field goal sooner? Don't even get yourself into a situation where you were thinking about running the ball or they had the ball at the 12, at the 19, easy, or even before that run, you have your three timeouts. Why does a touchdown matter so much? Just get it to one score game. They could have kicked the field goal, an easy chip shot field goal for Badgley, 20, 27 yards at the farthest, depending on where they were, what the down and distance was. They could have had more time on the clock, a minute 15, minute and a half, minute 40, and three timeouts to kick the ball off to San Francisco and try to get a stop. No matter what you're doing, you're trying to get a stop. If Even if David Montgomery scored and they didn't have to use a timeout, they're kicking the ball off to San Francisco and trying to get a stop. It's a two-score game no matter how you slice it. And the way that Dan Campbell goes for fourth downs consistently, they should have taken the three earlier, tried to get a stop, Force a punt, and obviously from that point on in the game, if the Lions got the ball back, they're in four-down territory to go. I understand, too, if you get the touchdown, then you don't need to get as far, kick a field goal. I would have guaranteed, I mean, there's no guarantees, but I would have kicked the field goal early, put the pressure on San Francisco to get a first down. They had all three of their timeouts. They didn't do it, and worst-case scenario was compounding fat matters, the Niners rise up on run defense, stop Montgomery. The Lions have to use a timeout. If you want to say bad clock management, bad decisions by Dan Campbell, there were things that could have gone better. He could have played smarter. He could have, at least if you're a Lion fan, Dan Campbell probably slept okay last night. He stayed true to who he was. But there are times when you can deviate who you are when it makes more sense in the game what the score is, down in distance, kicking a field goal to tie it, you know, buffering yourself from not getting down by two scores if the Niners get a touchdown, which they did. Them set, Niners settling for a field goal on their final scoring drive would have been nerve-wracking because you're only up six and you know Detroit's going to go for it on every single fourth down. The Niners and Purdy delivered on the ground with McCaffrey through the air with Purdy and on the ground with Purdy. Now, second half yards, obviously an inverse of what you saw. 282 for the Niners, 176 for Detroit, and 75 was that final drive where the Niners were just basically playing nothing over the top. Just wanted to kill time. Doesn't mean those 75 yards don't count, but they weren't as in the game flow yards or hotly contested yards as Others were. And listen, you, you want to talk about Campbell's fourth downs, how he handled the end of the game, lucky bounces the Niners got, the Lions got a lucky bounce on that pass to Jamison Williams that Ambry Thomas could have intercepted. Detroit abandoned the run. Dan Campbell didn't get away from who he is philosophically fourth down-wise, but their offense got away from who they are. 21 runs for 148 yards in the first half. Eight runs for 34 yards in the second half. Conversely, San Francisco was down most of the game and still found a way to run the ball 33 times. This is a team that was playing catch-up all game and had four more total carries than the Lions. 
who were playing from ahead, who should have ran the ball down San Francisco's throat in the second half. And of course, those 33 carries includes Purdy's three for 49 in the second half. And there's a nice symmetry to that. 49 rushing yards for a 49ers team that he led to the Super Bowl. Moreover than that, Kyle Shanahan did not panic, did not get away from the run. The Lions did not allow a single running back all season to go over 70 rushing yards. McCaffrey went 20 rushes for 90 yards. Stuck with it against the Lions. And let's harken back to the 2019 NFC Championship game versus Green Bay. This situation, when you have a team that can't stop the run, Lions, Niners could not stop the run. Sure, there were some halftime adjustments or whatever, but you didn't commit to it enough to see if you could have broken through and just controlled the game on the ground. Whereas in 2019 against the Packers, Jimmy Garoppolo threw only eight passes because the run game was working so much. They stuck with it to the tune of 42 rushes for 285 yards and four touchdowns. Former 49er running back, now Dolphin running back, Raheem Mostert did most of the damage. And people after the game, you know, you got to spin a narrative. Oh, they don't trust Jimmy to throw. They're, how, how are they going to beat the Chiefs? They didn't beat the Chiefs, but they don't trust Jimmy to throw. You know why you don't throw the ball, assholes? Is when you are dominating a team on the ground like that, you do it until they stop you. And I don't think the, the Niners really stopped the Lions running the ball. The Lions stopped themselves. All right, yeah, they had a fumble. It happens. But coming out after that, no handoffs. There were hardly any handoffs. One handoff the last drive, and that was the inside the five where Montgomery was stopped. 21 rushes compared to eight. Nearly a third fewer. Two-thirds fewer, excuse me, two-thirds. Big reason why Detroit lost. Niners were on the ropes. I don't know if Detroit got cute, whatever you want to call it. They did not stay to their running back-centric, lean-on-your-big-offensive-line identity. Yes, they're a number five offense, and they're explosive. But they did not stick with what was working in the first half. Meanwhile, Brock Purdy was electric. That's the word I'm going to use. Electric in the second half. Two big-time throws to Kyle Juszczyk. One down the middle, off-platform. One to the left, on the left sideline where Purdy escaped the sack, rolled left. Juszczyk made a beautiful catch on the sideline, making sure his feet were in. You had the Purdy throwback to Jennings across his body for a one-handed catch. You had big two big throws to Ayuk. Yes, one went off the face mask, but lucky bounces. Guys, that's football. That's life. Sometimes the ball bounces your way. Sometimes it doesn't. And two huge scrambles, 20-plus yard runs. And if a physically talented quarterback like Lamar, like Jalen Hurts, like Josh Allen did that yesterday, had that second half, had those crazy plays, the media would need a handful of cigarettes after their mass circle jerk. And I haven't seen yet the fallout or the narrative or how much these talking jerk-off media heads are still pushing the goalposts farther back for Brock Purdy. Came back, fourth quarter against the Packers, 
down four, got to have it drive, did it with his arms, did it with, it with his legs, would have been perfect if Kittle did not drop a pass. Six of seven on that drive. Down 17 at halftime. Yeah, he got a turnover. Sure, he got a turnover, that fumble by Jamar Gibbs. He gave him one. He gave him one when his hand got hit in the first half and the Lions cashed in on it. If one counts, so does the other. Purdy led them to the co-largest comeback in an NFC Championship game history. And you heard, I don't know if you heard Fred Warner after the game, someone asked him, oh, what do you think about Brock Purdy in the second half? And he said something like, oh, what a game manager, right? He really managed the heck out of that game. He was ridiculous. Brock Purdy's the reason why we're here. I love that dude. And let's just put a punctuation on this Purdy nonsense as I want to compare him to those, I'm using air quotes here, physically talented quarterbacks in the playoffs and playoff record. Let's, and I don't, I don't give a shit about the coaches, the offensive coordinators, who they were playing, who was on the road, supporting cast. If you are that physically goddamn talented, then you should be able to elevate your team when your team needs it. And this first quarterback maybe will start out, have a better playoff record now that Jim Harbaugh is the coach, but Justin Herbert, 0 for 1 in the playoffs. He's done dick. Dak Prescott, and he catches heat. Two and three in the playoff. Two and five, excuse me. Two and five in the playoffs. Claim to fame, he's made three divisional round appearances, lost all of them. Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles, two and three in the playoffs. One NFC Championship game. Let's put an asterisk on that since Purdy got hurt. And one Super Bowl appearance, loss. Lamar Jackson, going to be the MVP. And per the regular season, probably rightfully so. But again, 24 passing touchdowns, 7 rushing touchdowns. Yes, had about 900 rushing yards and rushing scores. That's great. But the Lamar of playoff choke came out. Lamar, 2-4 and four in the playoffs. One AFC Championship game appearance and threw a soul-crushing interception into triple coverage. Yes, he had Zay Flowers fumble at the goal line, which could have tied the game or made it a three-point game at the time. Fumbles and turnovers happen. You cannot, Lamar Jackson, compound that by throwing a bonehead, terrible interception into triple coverage, which was also probably three or four yards short of your intended receiver. Josh Allen, ooh, ah, big arm, can run, big, strong, fast, five and five in the playoffs. So, hey, we finally have a quarterback that's 500 in the playoffs. One AFC championship game in the six, five or six years he's been in the league. And lastly, Joe Burrow. And I got nothing against Joe Burrow. And when we talk physically talented quarterbacks, he's there with the arm. We're not talking about the runner or the, the much you know bigger bazooka arm, although Burrow's got a strong arm. Burrow is 5-2, two, two AFC Championship games, one Super Bowl appearance loss. And then there's Brock Purdy. Second year in the league, has not started for two full seasons, came in Week 12 against Miami. So Week 12 through the playoffs and this year, Four and one in the playoffs. And yes, Brock Purdy gets the loss against the Eagles last year because he started that game. Did he really lose it? No, but by the book, he's four and one. Two NFC championship game appearances, 
one NFC Championship game win, and an upcoming Super Bowl appearance. He is in his second year, guys. Is is Justin Herbert? No. What, five years? Dak Prescott? More than that. Jalen Hurts? Four or five years. Lamar Jackson? Six years. Josh Allen? Five years. Joe Burrow? Four or five years. Say four years, I think, for Burrow. And Purdy in his second. But did his defense look great in the playoffs? Yeah, second half of the Packer game, I guess. Second half of the Lions game for sure, pitching a shutout until that final drive. Time to give Purdy credit. Time to shut up. And I was hearing, I forget who, um, it was an ESPN uh, radio show where someone was screaming, tell me how he's different than Jimmy Garoppolo. Tell me how he's different than Jimmy Garoppolo. He could run the ball. He doesn't turn it over as much as Jimmy. He's more available than Jimmy. He makes smarter decisions than Jimmy. He was in the MV. He's a one of an MVP. He's an MVP finalist. One of five. Jimmy never was. He put up an all-time great 49er passing season. Passing yards, completion percentage, um, and QBR. Jimmy never did that. Don't tell me he's Jimmy Garoppolo. Don't tell me he's Jimmy Garoppolo. Meanwhile, Josh Allen can't even be Jim Kelly. And he's more physically gifted. Jim Kelly got to four straight Super Bowls. Sucks that they lost all of them. Josh Allen hasn't gotten to one. What we're going to discuss next podcast, and it might be later on this week or early next week, and these are things that need to be discussed. What 49er run game will show up? Is it going to be the first half against the Packers and the first half against the Lions or what we saw in the second half of both games? Because even that, even the second half of both games is not representative of how the 49ers play run defense the last eight games of the regular season because it's been bad. Can the pass rush find itself? Bosa did have two sacks. Otherwise, not a whole lot of pressure. Tight end situation. Sam Laporte of the Lions went nine for 97. Travis Kelsey against the Ravens. Number one defense went 11 for 116 in a touchdown. If Laporta can do that, what is Kelsey going to do with that chemistry he has with Mahomes? And biggest one, at least to me, can't have a slow start. Cannot have a slow start. But we're going to take a breath for now. And ultimately, you take a win any way you can get it. Niners came back. Shanahan and Purdy got some monkeys off their back, not being able to play from behind going into the fourth quarter or big time at halftime, big time game plan by Shanahan did not flinch, did not get away from what they do. 31 passes by Purdy, 33 rushes by the Niners, including three big ones by Purdy. Did not turn into a pass, pass, pass game when they were down 17. Game could have gotten away from them, even though that's the Lions' weakness, right? Pass defense. They stuck with the run because they're a running team. And they got there. They got 90 with McCaffrey, and they got 155 total rushing yards. Little under four yards a carry, about four and a half per carry. We get to talk about the Niners for two, two more weeks, everybody. Kansas City Super Bowl rematch. The, the Niners can right a lot of wrongs here 
for Kyle Shanahan, his collapse with the Falcons in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, getting away from the run against the Chiefs in a Super Bowl four years ago. McCaffrey in his first, Ayuk in his first, uh, Trent Williams in his first, Kittle wanted to get back, Purdy in his first. Each team, interesting, interestingly enough, of a 53-man roster only have 10 players that were in that first Chiefs-Niners Super Bowl. Niners open up as a one-and-a-half point favorite. Not sure how I feel about that, but I will have some feelings towards it next podcast, which again will be later this week. And then again, obviously leading up into Super Bowl week, and one, if not both of those podcasts, will have a plus section. But for now, everyone take a deep breath. Enjoy these next two weeks. If you have that game on DVR, rewatch it. I'm sure it'll be on NFL Network. Record it. Enjoy it. Maybe you fast Maybe you just watch the second half. But oh boy, it gives us what the Niners did in the second half. Last week gives us the privilege of, of at least me talking about them a couple more times before the Super Bowl, watching them another game. We'd all be watching the Super Bowl anyway, but it means so much more when you're either favorite NFL team or, or in my case, my favorite sports team is in it. And we get to think about it and dissect it every which way to Sunday, two Sundays from now in Las Vegas. But until then, Shanahan, thank you for not getting away from the run. Purdy, Thank you for not being a game manager, putting that game on your arms and legs. Steve Wilkes, thank you for making adjustments. Maybe we make them a little bit quicker next time. Maybe they could be between the first and second quarter. Team dug deep. Team rose up. Team is moving on. Until we talk next, everyone stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. Big exhale, big relief. Niners moving on. Super Bowl against the Chiefs. We will talk soon and cover it all. Take care.